getting late and you start preparing yourself for bed. You go through your nighttime routine, hop under the covers and close your eyes. However, you wait and wait, but you simply don't feel tired. This is a situation many, including myself, find ourselves in. Whether through exposure to increased blue light through technology or too much caffeine, many things contribute to the quality and healing properties of sleep. Hello everyone, I'm your host Milo Golding. Thank you for joining me today on Factors. For new listeners, Factors is an audio resource to explore the many perspectives surrounding pressing bioethics issues through discussion and analysis. Today, we'll be discussing sleep, its importance, and the ethical basis of sleep disorder diagnosis. The information used in today's episode of Factors is gathered from the National Institute of Health and the American Medical Association. Sleep is a central part of our lives, as one-third of our time is spent doing it. Thus, the quality and amount of sleep we get is an essential part of our survival, equivalent to that of food and water. Without sleep, our brains have a harder time creating new memories, learning, and concentrating efficiently. The act of sleeping is important for neurons to communicate with each other, and sleep impacts every part and function of our bodies. From the brain, lungs, and heart, to metabolism, immune response, and disease resistance. Poor quality sleep and a lack of sleep increases the risk of disorders including cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, depression, and obesity. Sleep also plays a housekeeping role that removes toxins in our brains that build up while we are awake. What body systems control whether or not we sleep? Two internal biological mechanisms, circadian rhythm and homeostasis, work together to regulate whether we are asleep or awake. Circadian rhythms direct a wide variety of functions, from daily fluctuations of wakefulness to body temperature, metabolism, and the release of hormones. They control our timing of sleep and cause us to be sleepy at night and our tendency to wake up in the morning without an alarm. Our body's biological clock, which is based roughly on a 24-hour day cycle, controls most circadian rhythms. These rhythms synchronize with environmental cues like light or temperature about the actual time of day, but they continue even in the absence of cues. Sleep-wake homeostasis keeps track of our need for sleep. The homeostatic drive, which is our body's equilibrium, reminds the body to sleep after a certain time and regulates sleep intensity. This sleep drive gets stronger every hour we are awake and causes us to sleep longer and more deeply after a period of sleep deprivation. Factors that influence our sleep-wake needs include medical conditions, medications, 
stress, our environment, and what we eat and drink. Perhaps the greatest influence is the exposure to light. Specialized cells in the retinas of our eyes process light and tell the brain whether or not it is day or night and can advance or delay our sleep-wake cycle. Exposure to light can make it difficult to fall asleep and return to sleep when awakened. This is why night shift workers often have trouble falling asleep when they go to bed and also have trouble staying awake at work because their natural circadian rhythm and sleep-wake cycle are disrupted. In the case of jet lag, circadian rhythms become out of sync with the time of day when people fly to a different time zone, creating a mismatch between their internal clock and the actual clock. What you need to know is that there are two basic types of sleep, rapid eye movement or REM sleep and non-REM sleep, which has three different stages. Each is linked to a specific brainwave and neuronal activity. You cycle through all stages of non-REM and REM sleep several times during a typical night, with increasingly longer, deeper REM periods occurring toward morning. Stage one non-REM sleep is the changeover from wakefulness to sleep. During this short period, lasting several minutes of relatively light sleep, your heartbeat, eye movements, and breathing slow, and your muscles relax with occasional twitches. Your brainwaves begin to slow down from the daytime wakefulness patterns. Stage two non-REM sleep is a period of light sleep before you enter a deeper slumber. Your heartbeat and breathing slow, and your muscles relax even further. Body temperature drops and eye movements stop. Your brainwave activity slows, but it is marked by brief bursts of electrical activity. You spend more of your repeated sleep cycles in stage 2 sleep than in any other sleep stages. Stage 3 non-REM sleep is a period of deep sleep that you need to feel refreshed in the morning. It occurs during longer periods during the first half of the night. Your heartbeat and breathing slow to their lowest levels during sleep. Your muscles are relaxed and it may be difficult to awaken you. Brain waves become even slower. REM sleep first occurs about 90 minutes after falling asleep. Your eye moves rapidly from side to side behind closed eyelids. Mixed frequency brainwave activity becomes closer to that seen in wakefulness. Your breathing becomes faster and irregular, and your heart rate and blood pressure increase to near waking levels. Most of your dreaming occurs during REM sleep, although some can also occur during non-REM sleep. Your arm and leg muscles become temporarily paralyzed, which prevent you from acting out of your dreams. As you age, you sleep less of your time in REM sleep. Memory consolidation most likely requires both non-REM and REM sleep, though many mysteries still surround this understanding. The achievement of quality sleep in the modern era is oftentimes hard, as technology and many new facets of life 
are becoming intertwined with our own. As a result, many are turning towards medication to attain the sleep they desire. But how must physicians respond to this need on an ethical basis? Many clinicians consider sleep medicine a fascinating field because of the tremendous advances in research made in the past decades. The current understanding of sleep disorders is symptom-driven, meaning that dysfunctions are classified by patient subjective reported symptoms rather than by anatomical reference or pathophysiology. Because of this subjective component, perceptions of sleep disorders can vary greatly by geographical area, religious and cultural background, and age. Hence, setting guidelines for ethical standards of care in sleep medicine is a complex task. A key question presently being addressed within the clinical field is whether sleep has become unnecessarily medicalized. Medicalization involves defining a problem in medical terms, using medical language to describe the problem, adopting a medical framework to understand a problem, or using intervention to treat it. Proponents of the medicalization thesis often point to the development of new medical categories for conditions previously thought to be variations of normal behavior. Lack of sleep has an objective impact on functioning. A healthy person who stays awake for 18 hours has a deficit in reaction time equivalent to that of a person with an alcohol level that in most states would define that person as impaired. The most common medical cause of daytime sleepiness is obstructive sleep apnea and disorders such as narcolepsy and pharmacological therapies such as antihistamines and sedating drugs for treatment of anxiety can produce sleepiness or compound the effects of insufficient sleep to a degree that could interfere with one's well-being. Once a risk of excessive sleepiness is disclosed to a physician, either by verbal report or by incidence report, that individual has an obligation to respond and adhere to medical recommendations. However, although physicians must attempt to identify risks from excessive sleepiness and reduce the possibility that the patients will harm themselves in any way or others, they cannot be held responsible for information that is not readily apparent on a clinical examination or that is not disclosed by the patient. Sleep disorders constitute a significant health problem and if detected, can generally be treated improving the health and quality of life for patients. Our ideas about sleep and its relationship to our physiological needs, health and safety are changing rapidly. Those who practice in the field of sleep medicine must establish standards of patient care on the basis of sparse evidence and determine how to best address sleep disorders at the public health and policy levels. This new and exciting field of sleep medicine, a field that is more than just interesting, is an important aspect of our overall health that is often overlooked. But alas, this concludes our discussion for today. 
If you have any interesting topics you would like me to discuss in the podcast, please contact me through my email, milogolding at outlook.com. I'll tune in with you next Sunday. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you all have a wonderful week. Until next time.